Hello, this is episode four. In this episode, I'll be sharing the fourth and last question. Okay, now remember these four questions are the best way to get started on your renovation or building project. Did you miss the first three questions? Head back now to episodes one, two, and three to listen. Otherwise, stay tuned and I'll share question four with you now. This last question is, what do you and your family actually need from your home now and into the future? This may seem like a double up on the first question we looked at, what would you like to do? But in my experience, the answers are usually a little different. Part woo-woo, part pragmatics. The answer to this question is where I find I can really help homeowners. This is the sift and filter process. It's where I listen between the lines of my clients' desires and requests to really sort out what is important, to identify where their budget and energy should be focused, and to make a home that really works for them now and into the future. Because that's the trick of it, isn't it? Now and into the future. Because if you're doing this, this big endeavor of renovating or building, it's not something you necessarily want to do over and over again. You want to get it right for now and as your family grows in size and in age and has shifting requirements and demands for your home. You know what though? It's all the same. In all the years I've been working with families renovating and building their homes, in hundreds of homes that I've designed, what homeowners want is fairly consistent, whether their budget is $50,000 or over $2 million. Maybe this is because I always work with the same type of clients. I'm not so sure though, because the more I dig and the research and, and information that I see, the more consistencies appear. And it's the same when I speak to my colleagues. As I said, this is part woo-woo, part pragmatics. So let's talk about the practical stuff, the pragmatics. Australia has the largest average home size in the world. Yes, that's right. Bigger than our American counterparts. And it's climbed really quickly. In 1984, the average size of an Australian home was 162.2 metres squared. In 2012 to 2013 Australian Bureau of Statistics figures, this had jumped to 241.1 metres squared. So from 162 metres squared to 241 metres squared. That's almost 40, sorry, almost, I'll get my maths right. That's almost 80 square metres difference. Our families haven't got any bigger. In actual fact, they've got much smaller. Yes, we're a big country and we have lots of space. And look, I'm not here to tell you how much space you should and shouldn't create for your family. How much space you can build or renovate, it will come down to your budget, your site and your council rules. At its most basic level though, I find that these are the regular inclusions for family homes with the clients that I work with and the homeowners that I speak to. They want sufficient bedroom space for each child in the family, either as a shared bedroom or as separate bedrooms. They want a master bedroom for themselves, usually with an ensuite and decent robe storage. So that will be either as a built-in robe or as a walk-in robe. They'll want a family bathroom and sometimes they'll want a toilet outside the family bathroom. They'll want a kitchen area connected to the open plan dining and living space and to the outdoor area if possible. They generally then want a separate toilet for guests and that separate toilet may double as the family toilet. 
They want great linen storage and then they want a study space. So either as a separate space, especially if a home office is required, or as a zone that's connected and visible as home workspace. And it's worth noting that a well-designed island bench in your kitchen can perform this function. They want a laundry and then sometimes they want a secondary living space, especially if room and budget can accommodate. So it's that second kind of TV, messy playroom space. They'll sometimes require a space for guests. I find that a lot of families now will live remotely from their parents, so they'll want their parents to be able to come and the grandparents to be able to come and stay and feel comfortable with their own space. Or they'll have friends who travel from overseas or from other parts of Australia and they want to be able to provide a place for them to stay comfortably. And then, of course, there's accommodation for cars with storage for gardening gear and sports equipment as well if required. So that's sort of the list, the shopping list of rooms that I regularly hear for a family home. And what's inside those spaces and how big those spaces will be will vary dependent on the family, the budget, the site and the council rules. When you look at that list of things, that list of items, believe it or not, that can be accommodated in a 120 square metre home as well as a 500 square metre home. And of course, there'll be massively different financial cost and different design outcomes between those two options. And what's the magic that turns this shopping list of rooms into a home? Because remember, we talked about the fact that homes aren't just basically a set of puzzle pieces that you put together as a, as a shopping list of rooms. Well, what's the magic? It's in how they are connected and how they are arranged and how they respond to the site, its light, its breezes and its views. And of course, it's in how flexibly they can adapt and change as your family grows and demands different things from them. And that's where the design comes in. So let's first mention the woo-woo, okay? Come with me now as we talk about woo-woo. <laughs> Sometimes I find that clients will have specific ideas about how they want their home to be and it'll come from homes that they've grown up in. It might not even be their own home. It might be the home of a childhood friend that they spent a lot of time in. It could be in holiday places that they visited. These things start to impact their likes and their dislikes and their stories about what they want for their future home. There's loads of emotion wrapped up in creating our homes and as much as it has to be about our head due to budgets and timelines and building, most of what we dream for our homes is about heart. This is because that certain spaces, certain rooms and, and the way that they're designed can make us feel a certain way, both in them and about ourselves. In my experience, most people are renovating or building their homes for two reasons. One reason will be about getting more space. However, the more common reason is about increasing the comfort and the functionality and improving the feeling of their home. So this can mean extra space, but sometimes it doesn't mean extra space at all. Most people I know want their home to feel safe, comfortable and relaxing. They talk about having a place that they can enjoy with their family and friends and that they can feel proud to own and to share, a home that will be a sanctuary to stress less, to restore and to rejuvenate. Did you know that in the last 20 years I have lived in 16 different homes and when I say live I mean for a period of six months or more. All were of varying sizes and they taught me a lot about what makes a home an enjoyable place to be. 
the most significant lesson actually came from a place that we lived in for a year whilst we renovated our last house. So our last house, we turned a 100 square metre home into a 400 square metre home. And in the process, we raised it and we shifted it and we built in underneath. So of course, we had to move out for a little while. We moved into a self-contained flat under a friend's home that had two bedrooms and an open plan, but compact living kitchen dining area and a bathroom and a laundry. And our kids were aged four, two and four months old at the time. And at first I thought we will never manage in this two-bedroom flat. In our renovation that we were turning this, you know, it's very small home into a very large home, we were creating a very big family home. And whilst this was about us creating a project that we could sell, in my mind, I'd always thought it was kind of along the lines of the home that we would eventually end up in and that we would have ourselves one day. Our year in that two-bedroom flat only made me miss one thing and one thing only. And it was not the amount of space we had, the amount of rooms that we had or the amount of stuff that we had. It was a garden. Because we were in a two-bedroom flat under somebody's home and we were in quite an inner city area, there wasn't really much of a back garden. There was a pool and that pretty much took up the entire back garden and everything else was hardscape. And I really missed having a garden. I missed having that grassed space outdoors for my kids to just run around in directly outside our living spaces. For me and for us as a family, that year was really paramount in us helping determine what was important to us in our home. Other homes, when I look back in hindsight, really made me realise how essential natural light is in our indoor environments. Now, I know this professionally. I know this as an architect, how important it is. But I see now in hindsight, having experienced how terrible it is to live in a home that's not well lit by natural light indoors, just what it does to your lifestyle in that home. You know, one home that we rented and lived in for over 12 months, it was dark and it was cold even on the brightest of days. The garden faced south, so it was always damp and cold and it was an enjoyable place to be and the kids never wanted to be out there. So I spent more time out of that home than I did in it. I was always bundling the kids up to go to the park and we were running lots of errands. Of course, there are lots of other items in the secret sauce that makes a great home and it's worth remembering that it's often as much about what we leave out as it is about what we include. So how do you create a great home? Creating a great home, whether you're renovating or building, it's not about stretching yourself financially, especially to the point where your enjoyment of that home is diminished by your stress levels about paying for it. It's about creating a place that feels great and that you feel great in. That's what you actually need for you and your family now and into the future. That feeling, it'll come in lots of different packages for homeowners, but how it looks to you is what's important. What do you need to feel this, to feel this great in your home? Remember though, all we want is more. In my experience and in speaking with my colleagues in the industry, it is extremely rare that a client will come to us with a brief that says, I want less. The world of home ownership is littered with images to seduce you into wanting more and more from your homes. And it's very hard to escape the glossy photographs in magazines and online as we research what we love and don't love. Remember I mentioned the key to navigating that maze? Remember I I told you that first question? You need to ask, what am I seeking to achieve? 
You know, people often tell me that the biggest problem that they have with planning their future home is that they have expensive taste. They say that their budget can't buy those things that they keep being attracted to as they research and collect their ideas. So they just don't know what to do because they want to live a champagne lifestyle on a beer income, as a lot of people put it to me. I think, though, it's just the human condition. You know, wanting more is what motivates us to keep improving and striving and achieving. And because we want more and better, that's what we seek to do. And I look, to be honest, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You know, what I always seek to do with clients and what I recommend you to consider in your journey is this. Consider how you can interpret your expensive taste in ways that are actually useful to you so that you don't feel like you're going without all the time, but that you're actually finding things that are most suited to you, your needs and your family. So that the home you create never feels like a compromise or a downgrade from what you really wanted. And I've got a really useful link in the show notes to help you with strategies to do just this. This is not about having less, okay? It's actually about simplifying and there's a very big difference between those two things. Having less for most usually means going without, scrimping, giving up, doing without, compromising. Simplifying means getting bang for buck. It means rationalizing, translating, and testing. And it's actually much more satisfying. It means investing in the things that matter to you and saving money where they don't. Because when you really determine what you need to create a home that works for you, chances are you'll find it's pretty simple. And this is what I know from the countless homeowners that I speak to and I work with. This is what I find most homeowners want from their home and what I suspect you will want from your home too. You want space to be together. You want space to be apart but still be connected. You want lots of natural light. You want heat and warmth when you need it and cooling breezes when you need those. You want flexibility, functionality and durability. And you want comfort. You want somewhere that you can be proud of to show all of your hard work. And you want a home that supports you living your best life because it doesn't tax you, it doesn't stress you, and it doesn't get in the way of you being awesome. As I said, this isn't about having less. It's about simplifying. Keeping this front and center as you move along your journey will help you navigate the noise and distractions and lead you to the home that is perfect for you. So now we're through our four questions and here's some homework for you, okay? I want you to grab four pieces of paper, just blank pieces of paper, and I want you to write each of these questions at the top of their own page. It doesn't have to be fancy or complex. You know, don't wait until you've managed a visit to Kiki K to buy the right notebook. Just grab any paper you've got at hand and write each of these questions at the top of the page. Okay, so on page number one, you're going to write question number one. What would you like to do? And then underneath that, immediately underneath that, remember to rewrite it as what are you seeking to achieve and why? Now, if you're driving at the moment <laughs> or doing something else, just come back and listen to this later and I'll put it in the show notes as well so that you've got it there, okay? But this is great homework to do to get you started on your renovation or building project really well, okay? So page number one, what would you like to do? And underneath, what are you seeking to achieve and why? Question number two is what are you allowed to do? What is your local council and authority allow you to do for your renovation or build. Number three is what can your budget afford? 
okay? And go through the tips in that episode to look at what will get you bang for buck and what are the factors that you'll need to consider for your project. And then question four, what do you and your family actually need from your home now and into the future, okay? So I want you to write those on the top of each of those four pages. And then I want you to start with number one and number four. Because what can happen is you can get lost in the detail of working out your budget and working out council rules and you can lose sight of like the overarching, the big picture goals, all right? So start with page one and start with page four. They're really the best place for you to start dreaming and planning. Just close your eyes and picture yourself sitting in your finished home. How is it helping you live? How is it helping you and your family to be both with each other and as individuals and out in the world. What are your big picture goals around this? And what do the practicalities look like in terms of spaces and rooms and functions? I find that when you work at it from both of these ends, it it really, really speedily gets you some clarity um, and helps you be really efficient about it. Okay. And then once you've got some words around those two questions, then you can start looking at the online tools for budget and start wrapping your head around the numbers. And you can then start digging through your council's website to see what your local authority will allow you to do as well. Now, remember, this is about getting started. Okay. You don't need to know the entire journey right now, but making these first guided steps will point you in the right direction for you and your home. And it will save you, <laughs> save you so many late nights on Google and on Pinterest because, well, sleep, sleep. All right. So I really hope that this has simplified your journey as you embark on designing, building, or renovating your home. These have been the first four launch episodes to kick off uh, my Get It Right podcast. And in the next episode, I'll be starting a new season. And the next season, it's going to outline the most important things to know and consider when designing your home. All right. Episode one of the season will kick off with what matters most. Would you like to know what is the key thing that you can do to create a home that works and feels great? That's what I'll be sharing next time. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining me here at Get It Right with Undercover Architect. Now, if you've enjoyed listening, please head to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. That way you'll be the first to know about new episodes and you'll also help others like you find out about this podcast. And to be honest, who doesn't need help when it comes to renovating and building? If you have friends or family planning their future homes, please share this podcast with them too. Remember to head to the Undercover Architect website at www.undercoverarchitect.com. There you can see more information on podcast topics and you can learn lots more about how to get it right. You can also access downloadable freebies, plus learn more about my online program and one-to-one services. This has been Amelia Lee, the Undercover Architect. Thank you so much for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.